that voice is a lightsaber. Yeah, sounds like your voice is a lightsaber, and you're very hard to understand, actually. Wow, this is very bad. This is gonna be a great episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. The Devils Have Been Released for your auditory pleasure. This is episode nine. We are the Devils who are in this podcast, and we are a production of Devils in the Detail Steam Curator. And we also have a wonderful Discord. If you want to support us, it is patreon.com forward slash DITD. With me today is Mr. Justin McGuffin, a movie buff, as well as noob gamer. And a podcast host of Not Just Any Book Club. Check that out. Also true. We also have Manos returning because he is the overlord and he controls everything we do. Very true. And of course, I have Summer's AI with me, who is a guy. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, so let's get started. What did you play last week, Justin McGuffin? I've been playing a lot of Slay the Spire because it's been on my laptop and I really love roguelike deck builders. They're very easy to play on the laptop, very relaxing and very turn-based. You can just pause it, do a little bit of studying, listen to music while in the background and then continue playing without any penalty. That's part of the game, in my opinion. You are a rare breed on this particular Discord server as there's so few people. Gadgets made a new friend. I love the genre. Like, that was my first of the game, and then I spent $20 on Monster Train, which I really enjoy. Yeah, so I was going to say Monster Train. Monster Train is great. I, I've been playing more Slay the Spire, though, uh, mostly because it's a lot um, easier on my laptop. And then I've also been playing Grifflands, which it, it's good. It's an early access. It's more like a choose-your-own-adventure game with the deck-building stuff. just released. Oh, it, it, really? Yeah. What? I did not. I haven't been keeping up with the stuff the news yeah it did but yeah it's really good and it is more yeah. Of a choose your yeah it's it, it's good but i was surprised to find that uh, a lot of the events like i i replayed i actually funnily enough on my third run i beat uh sia's campaign and i've never been able to beat any of the campaigns <laughs> ha, ha, i'm a pro gamer yeah right um uh, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool because I played a couple more campaigns after that, and there were still events that I had never seen before. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Definitely. And that was like my eighth run, and I got to the final boss at least five times. I've never been able to get past the first night where that assassin semi-spoiler tries to kill you. Really? He's super easy. I have not to be. Oh, well, I haven't played enough because, <laughs> you know, Slave Fire really just yeah. grabbed my attention. Yeah, plus, I mean... Have you played the new Monster Train update? I have not, because again, my laptop is just dying, and I've got college to deal with, so I've been kind of away from my desktop. Forget college. No, I'm joking. Forget college. Uh, for Monster <laughs> wow. Train, you can press a checkbox, which makes the background a static image instead of 3D. Yeah. Which greatly reduces performance. Wait, really? Okay. All right. All right. That makes me happy. Thanks for telling me that. You're welcome. You can play more Monster Train. Also, for anyone else that out there who loves Monster Train, I know in my review, because I reviewed it as basically 
someone with a default view, but for some reason the game does not default to giving you the lore behind the game. You actually have to go into the options menu and click show me lore. Really? Like, is the lore the intro? And then... No, no, like every card has a story about its place in the world, like the character. Dude, you were blowing my mind. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, I thankfully I had a nice person in my review in the comment section mention that, uh, you know, there actually is lore and a story in, in the game. It's just that it's hidden away in a toggle button in the options menu for some reason. That's a very odd decision. That yeah. is a very odd decision, honestly. Imagine pouring all that work. I haven't updated my review because I... I was looking at it from the default viewpoint, and the default viewpoint still does not have any lore, so... I feel like my argument still stands. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, they, I'm assuming they don't bring any, like, attention to it. Yeah. Alright, Manos, what have you been playing? I've been playing a little bit more Sekiro, and I've also decided to finally start properly playing Assassin's Creed Origins, because I feel like uh, it's kind of a... One of those sins of gaming that if you run a Steam Curator and you haven't played that game, that's kind of bad. Um, I've been enjoying my time with it so far. It's uh, very well crafted, as I knew it would be. Has a lot, a lot of busy work scattered around the map, as I knew it would be, would have. I love the side game. quests, man. Side quests. Yeah, it depends on the, on the kind of side quests, and there are a lot of uh, Ubisoft games of the past that had very much just copies of senseless stuff to do and it was just busy work and wasn't really all that fun but in so far and i haven't progressed very far um so far i'm very happy with the side quests also story in origins and uh odyssey are really good because they really provide a uh, they provide little snippets into the world like it may still be I need this pottery for my dying grandkid. Please get me 12 feathers. Uh, and then you grab the 12 feathers. And um, and then... But then he's like, These 12 feathers will help me build the Great Giza Pyramids because now I'm re-energized. I'm actually like Tutankhamun's 37th great-grandfather. So it's like, <laughs> like, it like it's, you get these weird little snippets of stuff that is actually kind of interesting in, in world building. Um, not all of it's good, but like in Odyssey, there's this like a uh, girl who likes making clay people at a, on a clay deposit island as an orphan, and that one was like really a really great side quest. I see. Well, like I said, I haven't progressed that five completely cleared out the first area the first town that you start the game in after after the prologue and did all the side quests there and so far like i said nothing seemed really tedious or out of place and um, you help this healer um, who's trying to help all the people who have been assaulted by the by the soldiers um and it feels really natural and uh, like everything you're doing makes quite a lot of sense so far. So I'm hoping that won't change too much, but uh, going by what you just said, it sounds like I'm going to have a good time with the game. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, I will say the the one DLC is kind of worth it if you can get the season pass for like $5. 
Um, the Pharaoh's one, that one's pretty sweet, adds more powers and stuff, etc. I see. Um, I did notice that one story chapter is available via the Uplay points. Yeah, I don't... Of course. I think I got that one just because I don't extra Uplay points. Yeah, I, I, have, remember. I have a ton of them lying around from other games I've played in the past on, on console and all that, so I might actually pick that up too. Yeah, I honestly don't remember that one very well. But in Odyssey, um, I'd say... Well, there were like three DLC for Origins, and only one were good, but in Odyssey, I'd say about two were good. It was like the first one was great, the second one was really bad, and then the third one was pretty good. Um, the third one is somewhat controversial, though, because it kind of has the canon ending of the game stored in it. Oh. So, like... <laughs> It, yeah, if you technically want, like, the epilogue chapter, you got to buy the DLC. Ah, uh, that sucks. I know, it is yeah. really unfortunate. And one of the DLCs, uh, I remember we talked about that in the first or second episode, actually, um, where one of the endings in Odyssey's uh, That was DLC, the second, game, second DLC, yeah. Yeah, where you have the forced ending of uh, basically... Um, creating offspring. <laughs> yeah, which, it was which, uh, which, flew in, uh, which flew in the faces of everyone who decided to play a homosexual character. So, yeah, it was really unfortunate because the first DLC was so good. Because um, the first and the second are technically a two-parter. First one sets up like the f one of the first assassins um, ever, and then you get even more of those really fun like mystery targets to find except they're from Persia instead of Greece and that was so good and then the second one just I don't know what wrong man they just botched it completely with that ending and just wasn't nearly as fun and then the third one they decided to do something completely different which was actually fun again I see well I've got a way to go before I get there but I'm still looking forward to experiencing those two games that I've missed out so missed out on so far, because I, they came out in that transition period where I wouldn't want to get them on PS4 anymore because I was transitioning more to playing on PC. But I did yet have my my powerful new PC yet, so it didn't quite make sense to get them yet. So yeah, they kind of yeah got lost on on the roadside basically. Understandable, understandable. And, I mean, right now, there's a Ubisoft forward sale, and Ubisoft stuff generally goes on sale 90% of the year, so it's gotten pretty cheap, so both games can be bought for relatively pretty good prices. Check it out for yourself, they're definitely worth a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked both of them up uh, during one of the last sales, but uh, I don't have all the DLCs yet, so I might pick those up for cheap then. Yeah, from what I saw, you can only get Origins plus Season Pass for like 15, and then Odyssey is like 20 for all the Season Pass plus. Oh, one more thing. Um, the sequel to the Coteries of New York uh, visual novel in the Vampires the Masquerade universe, um, Shadows of New York, uh, kind of stealthily released. I was, uh, I think I was skimming through my wish list and saw that it had released. Ooh. And so I picked that up, but I hadn't yet, I didn't yet have the p time to play it. So 
and uh, the previous one is in the September Humble Choice Bundle. Yeah, exactly. So grab that if you haven't yet. Yeah, I already had that, of course. I bought it of course. on release day, basically. But um, yeah, that key is going to go into my giveaway pool. So at one point, it's going to end up on the server anyway. <laughs> AI, what have you been playing? Uh, I mean, I started Ori in the Will of Wisps. So the second game, that's really fun. Oh yeah, last time you said you had finished the first game, right? Yep. So, yeah, so I finished that last last week. So this week I started the second one. Really enjoying that. And then I've also um, been playing AI the Somnium Files. And that's, that's really fun. Um, and then I also like the mechanics of that because it's like, there's like branches in the story. So... It, there's multiple different endings and then like you you can also like uh go back to before a branch so it's easy to go back and then start like the other paths later on so i do en enjoy the fact that they have that mechanic in there because i know sometimes with games like they'll have multiple like paths and different endings but in order to do them, you have to go back to like the beginning of the game and like start it all yeah. over. Yeah, I know what you mean. So um, the Somnium files, did you pick that up honestly because um, you knew what kind of game it was or because of the name AI? Uh, I mean, I, I did like I read like the description and stuff and it, it sounded really interesting. And so far, not super far in, um, but it is. It's really interesting and it's really fun how they do everything yeah i'm looking at the store page right now it looks interesting but did that ai part influence your choice to buy that game or to check it out at least or was it pure coincidence it was pure coincidence fair enough like i yeah it's just like i think it might have been one of those that like i was going through and like i think it was one that like bun has it on her Wish list. I think it's one of those that, like, I saw, like, you know, it's like, oh, a friend has it on their wish list. Let me take a look at it. Yeah, it makes sense. Because I saw you playing it the other day, and uh, I thought, wow, if that isn't a fitting game for him. <laughs> but yeah, it's really, it's really fun. I love. It's just like the, the many different mechanics and whatnot. And like, yeah, one of the mechanics, it's like, since you're like a detective, uh, you can like go into people's like mind and. Like, there's tasks that you have to do there to kind of, like, unlock the memory of what you're looking at. I see. So there's optional bits of lore for each character, is what you're saying, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, like, stuff that you have to do. But, yeah, and it's, like, it's cool, too, because it's also, like, when you're doing that, there is an actual, like, time limit. So it's, like, you have, like, it's, like, six minutes you have to, like, complete the task in there. And then it's, like, each thing that you do uses up like so it's like you'll investigate something and it's like that'll take like 30 seconds off of you know it'll take like 30 seconds from the clock or a minute oh, from the clock or whatever so it's like everything you do there it does make a difference like even if it leads to nothing and then you have to go and see do something else so there is definitely this like choice where it's like okay what so you actually do have to think about it because it's like okay does this make sense? Because it's going to take time from the clock, and I only have so long to to do it. Does that lead to different possible endings? Or you said there are several branches, right? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so far, it doesn't seem like 
I think there was only because I've only found one branch so far, um, and I've only done that mechanic. Tw I've only had to do that mechanic twice. Oh, yeah, I see. And then it's like, so it's like you have like three attempts at it. So it's like if you fail it, it's like a game over pretty much, and then you have to start over. Um, but it's cool too because it's like so it's like if you so it's like in each one there's like multiple different locks so it's like and each lock is like a checkpoint so it's like if there's like say five locks you have to undo if you do like say three super fast and then you struggle on the last two and then failed on like the you could jump back to say like the third or like after you completed the third so it's like those are checkpoints that you can kind of go back to and until and you have like three tries to kind of do that to go back and try and complete it i gotta say i love the art style of the somnium files because um usually i find it's very tough to pull off 3d emulation of anime style very well and a lot of games don't manage to actually do that and i find that uh bandai namco with their uh, naruto games have pulled it off quite well by now but this game seems to have gotten the hang of it yeah, quite well yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. The graphics are really good. I love the graphics and everything. It's awesome. That does sound pretty cool. So what have you been playing, Gadget? I have been playing a bit of Balloons Tower Defense 6 because it's always relaxing. But I've also been playing some uh, Against the Moon, which I think Justin McGuffin may like because it's a deck-building roguelike. What and is this game called again? Against Spell the it. Moon. Ooh. Oh. Yes, it's, it's, actually got a, it's actually got a pretty good story, which really impressed me. Um, it's not out yet. Hashtag yeah. reviewing awesomeness. But, 24th uh, of September. Yes. But it's actually pretty fun. Uh, and it sort of reminds me of a mixture of Slay the Spire as well as... I don't know if anyone remembers that really awesome initially, but eventually lame... Uh, MMO uh, deck builder called Duelist. Not that was <laughs> bought by Bandai Namco and then rammed into the ground. Um, yeah, it sort of has a Duelist-ish vibe because of how you like buy creatures. Man, I miss Duelist. I wish someone had turned it into like a single-player game or something like that, like a roguelike card game before it died or something like that. There's and, so uh, many games, honestly, that have died uh, and should be around still. Honestly, true. And uh, finally, I played a bit of Craftopia. It's a new survival game um, that's actually got a lot of promise considering it's on early access. Though it does rip off its UI and general mechanics pretty heavily from Breath of the Wild. Not a bad thing. I was going to say, Breath of the Wild is something that PC players don't have access to, so that may be a very good thing indeed. Yeah, it's it definitely, it's like an expanded upon Breath of the Wild with, with a little, with less story so far. Um, but I will say the intro is pretty crazy. I, I, won't, spo I won't spoil is, it, but yeah. Is it still in early access or is it released properly? No, it's still in early access, but I'm actually surprised how much content and how much um, just general polish there is. I mean, obviously it's still pretty unpolished because it's an early access, but it's actually a a game, unlike a lot of the other early access games that we see these days. Good to hear, good to hear. 
So, Swabbles will be proud of them for making yeah. an actually decent game. <laughs> Unlike the Robo thing, whatever he reviewed recently. Oh yeah, there was a very quick review. Yeah, unfortunately that was also not a positive one. I also saw that uh, animated GIF that he inserted into his review of the crazy lens flare effects. Yeah, that was that was pretty blinding. It hurt my eyes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I saw that you picked up Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. Did you have any time to get around to playing that so far? No, sadly not yet. I definitely want to, but I've got a couple games that I need to review, and I want to play Against the Moon and review that before I get to Re-Reckoning. I don't like to have... I like to have a couple games that I cycle through, but I don't like to have too many, because then it makes me feel anxious. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, on to the topics. Um, so, the first topic is that Nintendo surprisingly announced Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which is a sequel to the new Nintendo 3DS game called Hyrule Warriors, except unlike Hyrule Warriors, which was sort of some multiverse madness this is actually a an actual game with story because it's set as ganon was winning a uh, hundred years prior to breath of the wild interesting so it's basically not warriors oroshi but uh dynasty warriors yeah pretty much um but it's actually kind of cool because i at least when i was I, I haven't completed breath of the wild at all like at all i'm probably not even like a third of the way in but it, it feels like I know there's a lot of legend about it, and it's supposed to be a little mysterious, but I kind of want to know exactly how Link lost to Ganon, and I think this will be a nice way to A, explain the goings-on, and also B, it will give fans something to munch on while we wait for Breath of the Wild 2, whenever that comes out. I have Breath of the Wild. I've not finished it because um, I unfortunately didn't have time to complete it, um, and I also may have had I, I this was before smash came out and i was in college at the time didn't have time to play it but i was like ooh, smash i want to get that so um and also i downloaded breath of the wild and my switch wasn't able to make size for two of them it, it there wasn't enough space so breath of the wild had to go but i will get back to it eventually because i really enjoyed what um what i played of it um i also Surprisingly, really enjoyed the story, even though there wasn't much of it. The presentation of it was really good. The music was great. I really enjoyed it. I don't know why I stopped playing it, but maybe someday I'll return to it. It's because Smash, man. I mean, dude, I've Smash. been playing Smash lately, and I don't know. There's just some sort of magic about Smash that just makes it so much fun. Just been playing a lot of Smash. I don't have enough friends to have fun with it. Like, it, it's a good game, but like, I, I just realized that maybe Fighters is not my thing because I'm like, it just feels empty without friends and online isn't really sufficient for me to really enjoy a fighting game where I just play with bots all the time. Well, we should play um, doubles online. That's pretty fun. My internet, hopefully my Nintendo internet thing doesn't run out by then. Oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know how long you got it for. I think it's until December. Hey, you're what? Hey, podcast, you're a... Witnessing history over here. I'm going to be opening up the Switch for the first time in like six months. Wow. Yeah. We're fancy. We're fancy here. So exciting. Fancy. 
but a competitor of the Switch, technically, although it is part of the last generation, uh, the Switches, uh, the Xbox Series S was just announced for $300, and the Xbox Series X was announced for $500. The X is more of a actual console with a disk drive and 4K and stuff. While the S is a cheaper model that focuses more on game streaming as well as downloadable titles and does not have 4K, six, like 60 FPS capability. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a smart move. Um, people, I think so. People are less likely to spend tons of money on new consoles this year, especially with everything that has been going on and so many people out of their jobs in the worst cases so um i think offering a cheaper alternative that is able to play the same games um is a very smart move yeah i think it's especially smart uh compared to the ps5's announcement which we still don't have a price of by the way because the ps5 their disk drive and diskless version were simultaneously the same price whereas this one the discless version is actually pretty cheap comparatively to you know modern console prices. Yeah, definitely, it's the price of uh, basically what you what you pay for a PlayStation Four now. Yeah, it's it's pretty good for new hardware. And I'm 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 gonna wait anyway for some very good console of exclusives to come out, and um, I'm not sure I'm gonna get any of the new Xboxes because everything's gonna come out for pc anyway that's exactly what i was gonna yeah. say yeah, yeah it's no pro consumer honestly yeah it is actually pro consumer um, yeah. like is there a good reason to have an xbox over playstation at this point because i know that like they've given up these console wars and i don't know if they've given up but they, they just realize that console exclusivity is not working out for them something like I mean, that i mean if you can't afford or don't have the knowledge to assemble a gaming pc and you just want to get a console or if you want to get a console for your kids or anything like that then say, the, yeah. then the exclusives that they have like the gear series and the halo series might still be selling points and forza but if you have everything available and have to decide whether you get a gaming pc or one of the next gen consoles then i don't think that any argument can be made for Xbox over PS PS5. No. Yeah, p uh, gaming PCs have a longer lifespan. Yeah, yeah. And they don't really have generations. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say the Xbox at this point is geared more towards kids um, due to not being able to access all the internet, which is a concern for parents, as well as being able to limit content viewed with parental controls, which are a lot harder to implement on a PC. That's true. In the ever-continuing and rather annoying saga of Epic Games versus Apple, Epic Games is rumored to be losing $26 million a month due to being terminated on the Apple App Store. And that's a lot of money. Yeah, Crimea River. Yeah, I mean, they did this to themselves, so honestly, I'm not that sad for them. So... And I mean... I mean, $26 million a month is insanely much. I'm not going to even pretend like it isn't, but for them, it's still nothing. They're barely going to feel it. Uh, but they're a public company now, so their stockholders will not be happy. 
That's very true. But again, they brought this upon themselves, so... They I did. They I, did. I, I won't shed any tear for them. No, neither um, shall I. They're still trying to appeal to get their uh, game back on the store while this is all going down. But Apple's like, no. And the judge is like, yeah, that makes sense. No. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're not agreeing to adhere to the terms and conditions that they agreed to in advance, they shouldn't be allowed back on, no matter what. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't really understand. It's it's a real care and move. I broke the rules, and now I'm going to scream that, <laughs> that I don't get to do what I want, even though I broke the rules. And I thought it was really funny that Apple then proceeded to make this whole like appeal process where you can ask to have an exemption of a specific rule based upon your uh, your particular app, you know, as this whole debacle is going on. You mean Epic? No, App Apple on the App Store has a new option where oh, I see. developers can appeal a rule if their app breaks it in such a way, but is still a good app or something like that. But I thought it was a real, like, spitting in Epic's face because, you know, they're like, look, now you can appeal this stuff. Oh, but it's too bad that Epic, you know, decided to, to break the rules beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I thought that was just like, oh, man, that's got to be a real, a real kick, man. A real pain in the tuchus for Epic. It's quite a power move, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, I would say. But it's Apple, so, I mean... It's also not something that you would do if you're still uncertain whether you're going to be the winner of it at the end. So Apple yeah. seems to be quite certain that they're not going to gonna have to let um, Fortnite back on the store. Honestly, man, of all the tech companies to take on, the one that's so big that's under antitrust investigation is generally not the one to go after. Like I, I under, like I guess I understand why they're doing it, and they're hoping that it'll get broken up into smaller companies who will then favor Epic. But man, this is not looking good for Epic for, in terms of Epic versus Apple. Not at all. No. Looking like it's going to be an Epic failure. That was a good. That was a good pun. I'm just going to make that joke eventually. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a pretty good pun, man. You didn't see that coming? No, I didn't at all. That was surprising <laughs> and good. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the joke didn't make any sense. Um, yeah, that one didn't make as much sense. but I know. I, I, I tried. I tried, okay? <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, the rotten apple spoils the bunch. Oh, well, that one's true. Ooh, that, one's that, true. that one's better. That one's a better one. Cut my joke out and keep his in. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more Apple, one bad Apple spoils the bunch in terms of the tech world instead of uh, app stores in general, because Apple, in my opinion, is very anti-consumer with their practices. True. So I'd say one Apple spoils the tech world. Or there we something. go. Oh man, you're just building on that joke that he Dude. That joke was a pretty epic. Dude, we're... <laughs> Man, How's dude. the mileage you can have on these jokes? You're, 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 Justin, you're lucky that you're the apple of my eye. Otherwise, okay. I would have kicked you out. With all these dad jokes we're going on right now. 
Yeah, you're just deleting me out of this podcast. Yes, exactly. We're just talking to a ghost now. This is the <laughs> seance episode. Yeah, I don't think I can make any other jokes. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I think we've exhausted every single kind of joke you can make out of a situation. I mean, the seance episode should probably yeah, be, around, would be around Halloween. That would be epic. That would be pretty epic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd be here for another fortnight. You, but you know <laughs> what they say: an apple a day keeps the epic away. Yeah. We're running out of jokes, aren't we? We are very punned out right now. I think. I yeah. Think, I think we're running out of stuff to say about like um, enthusiasm about these puns. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Let's move on before <laughs> we get before this podcast just crashes and burns. Yeah. Exactly. Because of dad <laughs> jokes. Um, Necromunda Underhive Wars, a popular upcoming Focus Home Interactive game, came out to terrible reviews. Uh, the reviews, the reviews cited that um, a you had to watch every character move, so even the computer's characters, you had to watch their entire turn, which was time-consuming and boring. And b because you watched every characters moves there was no mysterious strategy to be made because it was you, you know exactly where everyone is and what everyone's doing it's just uh yeah it, didn't, it wasn't received very well unfortunately i was really hopeful because i love warhammer i've never played warhammer sounds like a slightly less exciting version of chess yeah i mean it, it's supposed to be more than that but that's kind of what it came out as and it's still got bugs in the engine from the developer's previous game called Mordheim, which is honestly kind of inexcusable that they didn't fix the bugs in like the five years they've been working on this game. I mean, could still be worse, like uh, Bethesda bringing back bugs that had already been fixed in Fallout 4. Yeah, that was that was certainly pretty bad, but I don't know, man. Like, it, that's not excusable either, just because. Just because that's worse doesn't mean we should excuse either example. No, definitely not what I was trying to say. I know that's not what you're trying to say, but I, people could construe it that way. So I was I was just clarifying the point we were making. Uh, Kingdom of Amalur, as we mentioned earlier on the podcast, was re-released in Kingdom of Amalur Re-Reckoning. And if you had bought the game for $5 uh, in a summer sale, you can get it for... 60% off at this point. Now, I kind of have a problem with the reviews that came out like day one, because a lot of them were like, this is the same game. And every all the positive reviews were like, guys, this is a remaster. Of course it's the same game. What were you expecting? I feel like I'm more sort of in the latter's camp because yeah, if, same. You, if you didn't like the game at its core, you're probably not going to like the game ever. Not just because it was like re-released or re-remastered. Yeah, they should re-review yeah. it. They should, they should. But I, I don't think they will. But at least the game is up to mostly positive instead of mixed anymore. Yeah. Um, from what I could gather, the day one version was still a little bit riddled with bugs. Yeah. But um, as I mentioned on one of the other podcasts, I'm on the official Discord server of Kingdoms of Amalur, and they're posting announcements almost daily about uh, hotfixes and stuff they're working on. So it seems like they're tirelessly working on improving it. And from what I could gather, they're 
pretty su successful. I mean, they shouldn't have released it in a more or less broken state, but um, it seems like it's going to be eventually going to be a very stable game. So, is it like like as bad as like Fallout seventy six? No, like, nothing is bad. Okay. Not as that. Uh, I, th I think the problem is is that you know with a lot of these bigger games, especially Kingdoms of Amalur, which has like a hundred and twenty plus ish hours of content, um, you really no matter how much Q and A you have, there's always going to be something that sneaks in there on you. But I was more talking like the top reviews on day one. Yeah. It was like, this game just looks pretty. But that was the whole point of it. It wasn't supposed to be a major change. And they definitely did some quality of life, like unlocking the areas and increasing stash size and stuff like that. But, you know, they were trying not to get rid of the game that everyone loved because every or that became a cult classic because it was a cult classic. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's almost like those people that are complaining have never bought or seen or played a remaster and were expecting a remake. Yeah, it was honestly kind of weird. And uh, it was definitely something that, I don't know, should have been analyzed a bit more thoroughly by those people. But hey, that's just me. And this has been a review theory. <laughs> um, thanks for watching. No, I'm just Sick. <laughs> um Lords of the Fallen 2 has a new developer again. Uh, I'm afraid that this particular game... Uh, base, which is the sequel to the somewhat mixed bag of the original Lords of the Fallen, one of the original Souls-like clones. Um, I'm afraid this is going into development hell because this one's just not going anywhere. I mean, this yeah. is like its second developer. Or, I'm sorry, this is its third developer, which is not a good thing. Never. No, makes you think of the too many cooks idiom. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I think this one might, if it ever comes out, I think this one will be received just the same as the first one did because it's like trying to make, sh it's trying to do like a group project, except instead of everyone working at the same time, which, you know, never works out super well in the first place anyway. But it's like, every, it's like every one person has to play relay race with a project and I don't think that will go well because generally the second and third person doesn't really understand the vision of the first person and will try to contort it into the third into their own visions and the issue is that the original vision gets really messy and just doesn't look very good in the end yeah I mean it reminds me a little bit of um, the cancelled Half-Life proje projects that you told me about, that everyone was allowed to work on whatever they wanted to, and thus they all got lost along the way, so... Yeah, definitely true. And it was... Uh, it's really a shame, honestly. Sometimes. It is, because um, while Lords of the Fallen was reviewed quite negatively, I actually did enjoy my time with it. It's like... It definitely is a bit slow in its animations and all that. It feels like you're a lot heavier than in Dark Souls, for example. And that did slow down the entire gameplay and it was in places a bit bland, but it had it definitely had its own charm and the slowness um, just made it a different kind of, of gameplay, not uh, worse or better. I see, it sounds very zen compared to Dark Souls. 
Because Dark Souls is very punishing, but sort of fast punishing. Like you need to have those reflexes, but if everything was kind of slow, it feels sort of like a rhythm game. It's like A, B, B, A, A, etc. Yeah, kind of. It's it, it is very punishing and it incentivizes you to be a bit fast at times because whenever you die, um, like in many souls likes, uh, you leave behind your currency. But in this game, you have a limited amount of time to get back to that. So in places, it tries a bit to rush you. But um, on the other hand, the walking and running and dodging and attacking is all a bit slower than in Dark Souls. That is pretty interesting. And something that kind of worries me, though, is that uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was announced to have multiplayer microtransactions. Boo. First of all, I hate microtransactions. And second of all, what kind of multiplayer will they add to Cyberpunk 2077? I haven't um, really spoken anything about like what kind of multiplayer it would be. So I don't know. Could be like in a battle arena or something. We don't know sure that, that sounds terrible though i mean yeah yeah you 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 go i i the only way i can see them going with this is that if they go the gta 5 route yeah i was gonna but, say that yeah we're basically GTA they online. yeah exactly where they unleash everybody in the city well they unleash like 30 people in a pod at a time in the city and you can kind of like do your thing with all the like mini side quests you get but then mm -hmm. you can like buy the currency or whatever with real life microtransactions or something either way i don't again i don't kind of lessened my respect of cd project project red in my eyes i mean we haven't seen it implemented maybe it could be an acceptable way i don't know if there's an acceptable microtransaction for you no dude mcguffin honestly there's no good form of microtransaction in my eyes but i understand why people like okay here here's my thing in solely multiplayer games i think a battle pass structure is okay really? where you pay your money and then you get your items by playing and it's just good old fun the gta 5 model and all yep. other microtransactions where you're converting real currency into in-game currency i despise because that's just it's like they're just creating the game play in that multiplayer mode specifically they're making it hard enough hard super hard to get currency just so that you have to pay if you want anything decent without becoming a lifer yeah it's how much money gta online has made in like four years that's why they haven't made a new game yeah they've made over one billion dollars <laughs> It's like they just—it's like the Skyrim effect. Yeah. Because it's made so much money, they just keep porting it to all the new systems until basically yeah. it dies. Three generations of consoles. That's yeah, insane. it's getting a bit ridiculous at this point. I was in middle school when that came came out. Yeah, it's. I'm college it's, now. Wow. It's getting ridiculous at this point that how much they're porting GTA Five, but because online is really, really profitable, they just keep doing it. I think this is um, CD Projekt Red's first multiplayer game, or multiplayer part, I don't know. Yeah, it is, and that kind of worries me, because yeah. I know they've said it's coming out at a later date, but I really don't want the single player to suffer because they want to make a GTA Online. 
I mean, I'm one of the very rare breed who played the single player mode of GTA 5 and never touched the online mode. So I guess I'm I could settle for a similar uh, way to handle Cyberpunk 2077 because I do want to play the story. I do want to experience that game, but I don't want to get thrown into a multiplayer world filled with um, microtransactions. And I agree with you that I don't think there are acceptable ones. I feel like the only microtransactions that I would really accept are cosmetics. Yeah, but that's such a worn-out excuse. It's just cosmetics. I mean, um, games like Borderlands 3, for example, where you can unlock a ton of cosmetics just by playing, proof that you don't need to sell cosmetics to uh, get your money's worth back or the, the investment that you put into developing the game. And the way that people um, customize their characters in games, especially online games, just demonstrates to me that they do affect the gameplay because they affect how you interact with your own player character and how you view the world and view yourself and how you present yourself. I mean, games like Warframe um, have the nickname Fashion Frame for, for a reason. So I don't think that cosmetics are excusable as microtransactions either. Definitely huh. agree with you there. Who here misses buying a game and just being able to play it? I'm raising my hand right now. Yeah. <laughs> Without <laughs> DLC being or ads being patched in. Uh, yeah, my stance is on it. It's like I'm, I am kind of fine with cosmetics, but I see your point. Like it does affect gameplay in a way that's not really intended or in a way that they can really control. I mean, oh, I hey. still, I still remember how much how pissed off I was when Fable 3 ha uh, made you pay for the black dye because you could dye your clothing you could dye all your all your um, armor pieces but the black dye was something you had to buy and that was uh, especially in that franchise where Fable 1 and 2 didn't have microtransactions at all that was a really really consumer unfriendly move yeah definitely but yeah also um I do have to <laughs> at the very perfect opportunity. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry I couldn't say it the entire time, but um, hey, check out my podcast. Not just any book club. It's great, and we'll give you guys a shout out too. So uh, it really is. Yeah, for the one episode you guys heard. All right, peace out. Peace out. Thank you for being on here. Later. You're you're welcome. No problem. My pleasure. That was Justin McGuffin of Not Just Any Book Club. Now. Yeah, so microtransactions are terrible. But in other news, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 Complete Edition was just announced for Steam, which is cool. I really enjoy this new trend of kind of creating a complete edition, updating it so that it works on modern computers, and then putting it on Steam for a really low price. Yeah, I do like the, the general trend. I'm not into any of those tycoon games at all. Um, whether it be build your own zoo or build your own roller coaster or whatever or build your own city but um, the concept behind it like like you said um, compiling it into a complete edition basically what GOG has been doing for a long time for yeah, very fun. old games um, I like that model a lot well the thing is about GOG is they often use like the fan patches and stuff to fix the game but i really like how when they go back in the source code and update it so that the game is actually like 
it's future proofed, you know. Yeah, it's basically a remaster. Yeah. yeah, basically, because like I love Gog, man, they're the best. But the problem is, is that like if whenever Windows 11 comes out, I know we yes, Windows 10 is technically the last Windows according to Microsoft. But whenever they come out with a big new edition, it could potentially break a ton of these GOG games. Yeah. And I mean, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 were allegedly the last uh, ever co made console. So we know how much that is worth. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know about consoles, but PCs, so one of the reasons like gaming PCs are so beloved is because it's amazing backlog of old games that have shown not only like the evolution of gaming as an entertainment industry but also some there are some really good niche old games out there that just can't be played anymore so it's really i, I really enjoy seeing companies take a look back on their history and making sure that it's available for the future because yeah like i said there's some really good games out there like battle realms is an amazing rts that just like a year ago got a steam re-release re remaster kind of thing and it's really good and i'm really glad that more people are able to play it because it is such a unique rts yes and we see uh, things like uh, prince of persia sense of time getting a remake as well so yeah, I, I think it's cool just that, you know, you get to play it and it's not hyper buggy and you don't have to dig through three million options just to get the video to show up on your screen. And from what I hear, um, the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake, well, yeah, it's a remake, right? Um, yeah. Is really well made. It is, yes. It got really good scores. We talked about that last week. And that one is a remake on, like, Re-Reckoning, which is a remaster. Exactly. Which is a strong distinction that I know sometimes some games blur the line of, but there is a strong distinction. Reckoning is definitely more of a remaster with slight quality of life tweaks, whereas basically they remade Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 with the same mechanics, just with modern, you know, updates and graphics. And but didn't it they, is a new game. Didn't they a couple of years ago already attempt to bring Tony Hawk's Pro Skater to our generation by, uh, I think, upscaling textures and all that, but it worked not really well? <laughs> like, the gameplay felt completely different. And... Yeah, plus they made, like, a sequel or something like that which I don't know was really really bad so I'm really happy to hear and uh, see that these this new remake uh, apparently works really well must have been Tony Hawk's influence <laughs> yeah most likely because yeah. this I think after how badly the last game was received I know Tony Hawk was like a consultant on this remake if I remember correctly because it does technically bear his name so yeah, I, th I think perhaps maybe they, and maybe he has something to do with it, who knows. I try to go more of, you know, more close to the original compared to trying to innovate, which nobody wanted in the first place. But in Microsoft news, specifically, again, um, Game Pass is coming out of beta, 
so it will rise from $5 a month to $10 a month. But currently EA Play is in Microsoft Game Pass for no additional money. That is quite a sweet deal, yeah. It is a very good deal. It's really pretty amazing how many companies are actually looking at Game Pass as a viable business model and how great of a deal this business model is for consumers. I guess the only thing you could say is you don't get to own the games, but how many people just trade in the games they've owned once they've beaten them? Because... Yeah, but not me. There's no point in playing them a second time Some in some cases. Yes, Manos, you are of the collector sort of eccentric niche. Breed. <laughs> breed yes so <laughs> that's not a majority of people yeah certainly not but yeah i i have my my shelf full of old games that i'm probably never going to play again or very rarely or under very special circumstances but um i just can't give them away that makes sense and the other thing that i find a bit um well not tragic but is a pity for me is that the Game Pass games uh, that that Game Pass doesn't work with Steam, so yeah. But I mean, EA Play, EA Play now is on Steam, the the light version as we talked about, because not yeah. all the EA Play games are in EA Play on Steam. But um, my concern would be that if you want to play play games on Steam and review them, for example, as is um, the case for us that if you get the EA Play that is included with Game Pass, that it won't work on Steam either because it's coupled to Game Pass. Just a matter of time, though, that yeah. they add it to Steam. Yeah, I because hope so. Because I think they're... I mean, it's the same reason they brought it all their other games to Steam. It's just to market that they're not hitting right now. And, of course, who doesn't want more money? So, yeah, just put it on Steam. Besides, Steam usually takes up all the server costs of being a Steam product, so just throw it up on Steam and let it be. I mean, they do lose the extra money, but I think they'll be end up making more money in the long run. Definitely. In so AMD also announced that this upcoming month, October, they will have two events, the 8th and the 28th where they will release news on their newest Ryzen chips as well as their newest graphics cards. Um, according to the rumors, the Ryzen chips will be really, really amazing as they have been for the last generation. But the graphics cards currently leaked, I don't know if they're going to have a better thing in their pocket is that their highest end in the 6000 series is going to be somewhere in between the performance of a NVIDIA 3070 or 3080, though it will be apparently cheaper because of the competitive prices of NVIDIA's latest uh, line of GPUs. I will say though that the new AMD graphics cards do have more memory than the GeForce cards do at the moment though it's also been leaked that NVIDIA is coming out with like a TI series as they used to which will have more memory it will have the same amount of memory as the AMD one 
but probably for more money. And one thing you can't forget as a gamer is that the AMD cards don't support RTX or similar NVIDIA techni technologies. Well, they do have their own version of that called uh, Radeon Rays, which is a lot is pretty easy because I, if, I remember, if I remember correctly, a lot of developers these days use their Radeon Rays engine because it is a free to use by developers and B supports both AMD and NVIDIA cards. So, oh, I see. That's so interesting. We'll, I didn't yeah, know that. We'll, yeah, we'll have to see. Now, technically, they don't have a card out to make use of this Radeon Rays uh, technology, but if they do come out with it, it would make it really, really easy to sort of create a competitor, I guess, to the RTX. But man, NVIDIA really showed off with their latest GPU line. And then if they come out with really affordable TIs as well, man, I am, I'm down dog. That is, that is my, my go-to when I upgrade. Makes sense. Yeah. I'm just really hoping that AMD will hopefully, hopefully that's just like a middle card between the 3070 and 3080 and that they actually have like some crazy GPUs in the background that they've been keeping super duper duper quiet because man I really want AMD to provide more of a more of a, a competitor to Nvidia because Nvidia's currently for the last couple of generations been the only super high end cards like the 3080s and 3080Ti's yeah and competition is very important as we all know oh yeah of yeah, course definitely. otherwise you get uh, well I mean technically according to news sources um I think it was on Linus Tech Tips mentioned it. Um, the previous, the 2000 series, was NVIDIA trying to manufacture by themselves, like all the chips and stuff, which was a huge undertaking and cost was why they were really expensive. But I guess similar to the 10, 10 series, the 3000 series is. Uh, all again partnered with Samsung for chip manufacturing, so that's why these are actually reasonably priced again. But uh, interesting. But yeah, com competition is always pro-consumer. And Assassin's Creed Valhalla has been pushed up a week in terms of release date. I want to say there personally. Yeah, I mean, we said it a couple of times. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion seems to be the slightly more interesting upcoming Ubisoft game at the at the time of recording. Um, I don't know if I will get Valhalla Day One, but since I started playing Assassin's Creed Origin properly and will play Odyssey next, um, I'm a bit more interested in Valhalla again, and I will most likely get it at some point. Just probably not in the launch window. Yeah, I'd probably have to say the same. And Nintendo, who sort of is not relevant to the PC, uh, PlayStation, Xbox trifecta, because they always kind of do their own thing, is boosting Switch production by another 20%, because, man, those things are selling out like hotcakes. Yeah, I'm very happy that they're boosting their production, because um, at some point when I was actually trying to get a hold of one, of the consoles I was pretty unsuccessful because they were all sold out and I don't want to get the Switch Lite because I do want the 
docking station functionality i want to be able to play it on my tv i mean the switch is perfect for on the go and for flights or train rides or something like that uh, while driving your car probably not so much um but um i do want to have at least the option to play it on my tv set yeah i mean man i think scal i remember scalpers own point charging two thousand dollars for a switch and that's that's a lot of money i mean i would never spend that much even if i had the money i yeah, would wait for a normal price to return but um yeah um i never have that kind of money on the side like i can spend it on whatever so that's not an option anyway yeah no it was more just to show the egregious nature of scalpers in general yeah i mean it's similar to uh the um what was it the wii discussion we had yeah the wii, that someone yeah. <laughs> sold their kit for a wii yes they actually did i i thought again, that nintendo been... yeah and funnily enough yeah i actually i thought it was just a rumor i'd heard so i looked it up and nope that was an actual news story well i hope that person is still in jail i don't know honestly i don't remember it was too long ago that i lo looked it up uh, Disgaea 4 just released on Steam, one of, an excellent JRPG, though I do find it odd that they went 1, 5, 2, 4, and are skipping over 3, which I guess is technically the least popular in the series. I mean, it goes to show how money and profit shape the decisions of game publishers, I guess. Yeah, I mean, definitely that is a big thing. I'd say all companies, honestly. And then we, honestly, I didn't even know there was going to be an Ubisoft forward this week. And it was kind of mini in terms of content. We learned. I missed it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't even know it was happening. I, I remember someone saying there was going to be a fall one and one in September, but I never really saw the official details of when the forward was going to be. So I completely missed it. So Scott Pilgrim vs. the World Complete Edition was announced. I guess Scott Pilgrim had like some sort of uh, copyright licensing ran out. So, but fans really wanted it, so they were able to get the rights again. I think I saw a tweet about that where they said that after the long wait and where they thanked the fans for asking for the game again and again. So yeah, so that one is a two-dimensional beat 'em up with a, I should say, interesting story, I guess, of young adulthood. But I'm glad that the game is out again so people can enjoy it. Of course, we mentioned it earlier, the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake was recently announced. I don't know how I feel about this one, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it does look good and Sands of Time was a good game, and since they are remaking this game, it stands to reason that they're probably going to remake Two Thrones and Warrior Within as well. But um, a couple of weeks, or maybe about two months ago, I saw gameplay footage of a cancelled Prince of Persia game set in that same universe, in that same timeline, which looked very interesting, and quite honestly, I wish they would have picked up that project again and just finished up that instead of remaking sense of time because sense of time is by now a pretty dated game but it still runs quite well and 
looks decent enough. I don't think they should have made a remake, but instead rather a remaster probably. And then, like I said, finish that other game because that looked very interesting. Yeah, that's what I heard a lot of fans saying. If I remember correctly, Sands of Time is even on Steam. I believe so, yeah. I mean, there's so, this other cel-shading art-style Prince of Persia game definitely on Steam, but I think Sands of Time should be there too. I think I saw it the, like, in a summer sale on point, but I didn't pick it up because A, I'm not interested, and B, I have it on GameCube. I just checked, it's on Steam, and it's pretty cheap, actually. Well, that's good. So, I guess if you don't want to pay for a remaster, buy it now on Steam. Now the two games that they really highlighted at ubisoft horror the first one was once again watchdogs legion except this time they mentioned that aiden pierce will return um but i'd say this ubisoft forward actually made me worry more about watchdogs legion than be hyped about it because they showed off the same sort of gameplay like they just and i, I get the recruitment system is pretty cool but it worries me that that's all they've shown off. Like, maybe they want their cards close to their chest. But, like I said, that's worrying to me. Because, like, especially because the trailer, when they talked about recruitment, already had a lot of the classes they already showed off, like the hitman and the construction worker, the granny, the hacker. So I was really hoping to see, like, new classes or something to enjoy but even the beekeeper was shown off by rock paper shotgun a couple months ago when people were allowed to play the demo yeah you mentioned him before i think on on the very first episode even yeah so that just sort of made me worried about it because i don't want it to be boring but if that's all the classes they have for watchdogs legion it's going to 100 percent be boring there's just not going to be enough diversity. Don't mistake my silence for a lack of interest of just trying to give AI the chance to say something too. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, haven't no heard, I haven't heard much about him, so that's why I'm quiet. No problem. Um, yeah, so... And also what really worried me was like Aiden Pierce is one of those new super legendary recruiting options. But like they're talking about the season pass before the game even comes out. Which I don't think they've ever done before, and wow, that is not a good sign. I mean, they may have never done it before, but when I heard that, it, it felt very Ubisoft to me. Oh yeah, it certainly, why. it certainly feels very Ubisoft, but does not make me glad that it Ubi sounds very Ubisoft. No, definitely not. I was looking pretty. I was looking forward to it, and I thought it was really cool because I played some Watch Dogs too when that came out um, for free. And it was really cool seeing Aiden Pierce in that game, not as DLC. So the fact that they're already thinking with a DLC mindset um, and bringing back one of the most, I guess I should say beloved and, or maybe not even beloved, but most iconic characters of the Watch Dogs series. But as a paid thing is not very, I'd say is not very good in my eyes. Yeah, I agree. And... <laughs> Circling back to Assassin's Creed Origins, which I'm playing, um, you can get the outfits of Altair and Ezio for free in that game. So it's even more bothersome or, or worrisome that they would 
demand to get paid for Aiden Pierce. Honestly, was not a high point of the conference for me. But what was a high point was Immortals Phoenix Rising, previously codenamed Of Gods and Monsters. This game looks hype. It's like another version of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, except with more mythological creatures. And for that, I love it. Yeah, same. Um, I mentioned in, in one of the episodes that I don't particularly like the idea of Assassin's Creed becoming too mythological, even though they have done it before. Because, like I said, um, Assassin's Creed, especially the first game, but some of the subsequent titles as well, managed to feel fairly grounded and realistic. And I don't think that um, gods and other mytholo mythological creatures really fit into that world. And Immortals Phoenix Rising is, as a new franchise, is something that I would that I would devour whole if it had uh, those elements, uh, or rather when it has those elements. So, yeah, from what I can tell, it's basically Odyssey, but different. It's got like the different regions. Like I know Odyssey was sort of split up into islands, but this game is split up into regions controlled by the bosses. Um, and it's got a very similar like skills system where you like hold the left bumper and then press like A, B, X, or Y to use a power. But I thought it was really cool to see the addition of additional weaponry um, because like with like really unique weaponry, a lot of the Odyssey weaponry was not unique in the slightest. And I just thought the powers looked really cool. And I really liked it. Uh, in the previews that I saw, where I saw people playing it, um, I thought it was really neat that like it the story took more of a sort of fourth wall breaking Terry Pratchett-esque format because Zeus narrates like Zeus and Prometheus narrate the entire game I think and they were joking at the beginning of the preview about how Ubisoft was pronounced because <laughs> I guess um, uh, Zeus was like because like most titles are like Phoenix Rising in Ubisoft game but this was like, Zeus was like, Phoenix Rising in Ubisoft game. And Prometheus is like, you do know it's pronounced Ebisoft. And he's like, dude, shut up. Nobody cares. <laughs> in typical Zeus fashion, he would do that. I mean, totally. I, almost uh, I always pronounce it as Ubisoft. So <laughs> I guess that's the yeah. third option. I, I guess the French pronunciation is Ebisoft. But yeah, probably. I like Ubisoft better personally, so I'm going to just continue calling it Ubisoft because I like ooh as a sound. But yeah, Immortals Phoenix Rising, man, that looks that looks sweet. Also notice a little more hacker slasher, more God of War-esque, like original, not the new remake. So that was kind of cool, honestly, because that's really what it felt. It felt like Odyssey was a hack and slash game that didn't want to accept it was a hack and slash game. So I'm glad they leaned further into the hack and slash gameplay so that we can actually get a good hack and slash game instead of a hack and slash game pretending to be Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And uh, I find it funny that Zeus is one of the people to argue about pronunciation of names because technically his name is a Greek one and he isn't pronounced Zeus either. So I know. It's a bit of irony there. 
Yeah, it is a bit of irony, but I just, like I said, I really am a big fan of like the Terry Pratchett sort of like omniscient narrator that loves to poke fun at the characters it's watching. So Yeah, um, definitely um, looks very interesting and I like the how colorful it is because so many games nowadays are very washed up in gray like um, that's one of the criticisms the Marvel Cinematic Universe often faces that is that it's too gray and a lot of games do that too and this game dares to embrace colors and yeah. lots of them. And I thought it was really cool how they still sort of played off of the Assassin's Creed climbing maneuvers. Because if I remember correctly, one of the trailers has her like climbing a pillar or something. But it's sort of to enhance the flying mechanic, which looks really cool. I th it's sort of like making the stupid bird from Origins and odyssey an actually fun gameplay mechanic because you just grow wings and now you are the bird so i thought that was pretty cool yeah i agree and i, I like to see that because i i know games with other verticality uh like i know prototype and all that kind of stuff and like saints row 4 a lot of the enemies still stay on the ground and just will pew pew at you and they're really no longer a threat but I really liked that because they went mythology, they had the harpies, which are obviously like an enemy that will bother you in the air. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, in so many open world games where you have this kind of verticality, you're basically untouchable once you climb above a certain height, even in the Assassin's Creed games for the most part. Yeah, so I was really happy to see that there was some thought into how the vertical layer of gameplay would still pose a challenge to the player. It wasn't just, oh, hey, now you're invulnerable, basically. Yeah. The game is out on December 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? honestly, I was actually surprised how close the release date was. I thought yeah, that's this... what I was going to say. I thought this was just going to be like an announcement of an announcement trailer or like, hey, look at this cool tech demo. But no, it was like a full, it was a full trailer and we actually saw gameplay was just cinematic. And then they announced December 3rd and I was like, whoa, I can't believe this game is actually done. Yeah. And it's going to be out on all systems, basically. It's going to be out on Stadia, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One. Uh, even the, the Switch and uh, PC, sadly only on Epic Store and Uplay, so Uplay is going to be my go-to. Yeah, definitely Uplay for me as well. But I'm also really glad that they gave the developers some creative freedom with this game, because I know it got the okay because the developers of Odyssey really wanted to explore that mythological uh, side of things, but they didn't want to bring it into Assassin's Creed so I thought it was really cool that they had the opportunity to really create a game that they wanted to. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, because, you know, a lot of the times Ubisoft games, they, they do have a sense of soullessness because of their rather somewhat repetitive iterations. Yeah. And I, mean, I mean, there are some elements here, but I'm really hoping that this will be a good game because, like, it's a passion project. Yeah, and it certainly looks like it's going to be a good game. I think so, it's, personally. And it's, and it's kind of funny. It's like uh, the God of War series has 
made room available for these kinds of games because they moved into the Norse mythology and so now the <laughs> Greece mythology can be explored by other franchises more. Yeah, it's that power vacuum, mm -hmm. man. Somebody has to do it. And now that uh, Assassin's Creed is going into Norse mythology, they needed another Greek mythology game. Because Odyssey was really well, sold really well from one or more. Yeah. And the next section is a new section because we actually did have a voice message left for us by the very Justin who was on this podcast earlier. And he asked us two questions, actually. And you can ask your question, too, by going to anchor.fm and clicking the link to record us a, uh, an audio message. So the question was... Hi, it's Justin from Not Just Any Book Club. I just have two questions to ask you guys. One, what, in your opinion, is a gameplay feature slash mechanic you think hasn't been properly utilized in gaming? My other question is... Have you ever purposely not used a game mechanic because it's too OP? Thanks, and remember, Legend of Korra is actually a good show. I would say, for the first question, personally, uh, the me mechanic that's underutilized, I would definitely say would be like the Spore creation style game where you can make your own creations. But I sort of blame that on the fact that none of the teams or companies behind teams wanting to make this style of game will just let the team make the game. Unfortunately Spore, pretty much the most popular version of this sort of creation style game was supposed to be way better and more in-depth but the company, I think it was EA backed the team that wanted to make mini games and we got our current spore which is okay it's certainly no big you know brain melting innovation of gaming and technology but i definitely say that sort of like games where you can customize and create your own pieces of the world are definitely underutilized i see yeah fair enough yeah. i'd say one of the mechanics that is very underutilized in gaming um is in the second Darksiders game in Darksiders 2, whenever you load your game, um, you get narration from the Crowfather that tells you the journey so far and tells you exactly what happened last and what happened at the very beginning to get you back into the game from so that you can pick up where you left up. Um, and um, a lot of times when you didn't have time to play a game for a while or you try to get back into a game after a while because you played something else or something like that, you are dropped in the world and are basically really lost like you don't know what abilities do i have what happened last uh, you don't have a grasp of the story anymore and it's a very simple thing to just after each chapter have a little narration that you can play on the loading screen that says this is what happened so far just so you know where you left off and basically almost no game does it and Darksiders 2 did it really well, so I was really disappointed when Darksiders 3 didn't have that mechanic. Yeah, that does sound unfortunate. Yeah. What yeah, about yeah, you? I, uh, well, I was going to say, like, I know, I know like, uh, with, like, what Manos was saying, yeah, I know, like, there's a ton of times when, like, I'll come back to a game after a long time, and then it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm just completely lost space in a second. I don't remember, it's like, what I was doing, what I was in the middle of doing, or, like, you know what i had done and whatnot so that is definitely 
I mean, a lot of games do have journals that lay out what you have done in the story, or you can check your completed quests to get an idea of what idea of what happened. But I think it's just so it feels so natural and is so <laughs> untedious to just get told what happened last in the loading screen where you have to sit and wait anyway. So yeah. I have restarted multiple games because I had no idea what was going on. Exactly. Same. And AI, did you have a specific mechanic or did you just agree with Manos that that is the particular mechanic that yeah, you would like to see more of? Yeah, I did definitely agree with Manos there. I don't think I really had another one. Alrighty then. And so the next question was, were there ever any mechanics that you never used because they were too OP? I would personally say that a lot of the times in games, you get these buff potions or food buffs, like in like sometimes towards the end of Breath of the Wild, I've heard, and also in games like um, most RPGs in like Minecraft and stuff like that. And those buffs, I just find, just give way too much and can make the game way too easy. I mean, I guess not modern Minecraft. I guess I should specify that it was like modded Minecraft, not vanilla Minecraft. But it just seems to be like an RPG staple where you get like bread that gives you like plus 50% attack. I mean, I know that's in a, an extra ton amount because I'm just exaggerating, but a lot of food items will stack or something like that not in terms of buffs but you can get like multiple buffs at a time so it just it really downplays the challenge so i usually just avoid using potions in most games yeah um i can definitely see where you're coming from i um i very often save up these things and then defeat the final boss and think oh wow i have this huge stack of these buff potions and buff food items and I didn't use any of them uh, so I wouldn't say it's particularly because I think they are too OP but the the right opportunity basically never comes up for me yeah I can definitely see that and I guess I could kind of say a lot of these buff potions and stuff will often require a limited resource in some games that take away from like permanent upgrades and I just don't see the reason to like technically that like if you're talking from like the technical standpoint, the buffs have a a, a better time because like if you use them right at a boss. But I really like to see the progression of a character, so I probably will never spend them on potions. I'm more specifically thinking about similar games like Tower of Time. Yeah, makes sense. Um, there isn't a specific game mechanic that I could think of that I didn't use because it felt too OP, but there are certainly aspects of a game like certain character builds, for example, or if it's like a, a card battle or certain card combinations where, you, where your opponent doesn't have a chance to do anything against them that I would never use because they are too overpowered. But, um, for example, in the very first Fable game, there's an ability you can unlock, a will ability, um, that is basically a shield spell that causes you, when you, when you get hit, to lose mana instead of health. And that keeps your combat multiplier up, because you don't get hit, technically. And 
at a certain point when you have put enough experience into willpower your mana will recharge faster than you can get taken down so you're basically immortal at that point and once i started getting to a point where my mana recharged too fast i never used the shield again because it felt cheap i'd say that for, that fits the question it was a mechanic it was a particular spell mechanic that they added in the game that really I mean but i mean on when you can unlock it um it takes one or two hits until your mana is depleted and then you take normal damage again so it wasn't throughout the entire game an overpowered mechanic but at a certain point it certainly does become one yeah so i mean i still say that counts i still say that counts thank you very generous you're welcome i of guess justin has to be the judge of that <laughs> Of course, you're the overlord, so of course I must simp for you. It is the rule. Yeah. Well, unspoken rule. I'm going to cut all of this out. <laughs> <laughs> AI, what about uh, you? Is there any mechanic in any game or any skill or any item that you never use because it's too overpowered? No, I don't think so. I mean, I know there are some that are pretty overpowered, but I'd, st I'd still use them anyways. Just because they were there because um, I know like with like the Neptunia games like definitely like some of like the DLC that you can get like the weapons and stuff that they give you are super like overpowered and nice since I had them I use them Fair um, enough. So, yeah I don't think there was game mechanic that like I didn't use because it was overpowered I see well I want to thank Manos for being here thank you for being here as always, uh, very happy to be here. And AI, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, glad I can make it this week. That's been our show. Feel free to rate us on Google Podcast or Apple Podcast or really anywhere where you can get your podcasts because we are on a ton of places. Um, subscribe with your favorite podcast app, such as Anchor.fm. And follow us on Twitter at DITD underscore reviews. We um, the podcast is now also on SoundCloud. That is Ooh, new, so that is true. Feel so, free to check it out there if that's your preferred place to listen to podcasts. Definitely, definitely check that out because I know some people really like the commenting and just the overall feel of the UI there on SoundCloud. So I'm glad we're on there. Uh, if you have any thoughts about any topics, uh, feel free to tweet at us. You can find our email on our link tree, which is linked re for slash D I T D. I know that's a bit of a mouthful, but it's L I N K T R period E E forward slash D I T D. It's basically link tree with the separation before the E's. Yes, exactly. And you can find our email there and also the invite to our discord server. Our Discord server invite link, though, if you just want to put it into your browser, is discord.com forward slash invite forward slash capital M C capital G P X C capital U. And our group name on Steam is Devils in the Detail. And if you want to support us, of course, check us out at patreon.com forward slash DITD. Thank you very much for spending your time listening to this podcast. We put a lot of passion into it, and we will be off until we are summoned again.
Yeah, you're just deleting me out of this podcast before this podcast just crashes and burns.